to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app by searching for The Church at Bushland in your app store. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so in our app or by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Well, welcome back to another episode of Digging for the Truth. And the guy I have with me tonight, let's see if you recognize him. He's right there. He's still got that British smile stuck on his face. Still there. What's going on, <laughs> my man? Hey, I'm good. Thank you. I'm good. Thanks for having me, man. Man, it's great to have you. I've got uh, Josh W. He's going now. Oh, mystery man. The mystery man, you know. Like the uh, world traveler, James Bondes. <laughs> you know, we don't know what you're doing. You're like some kind of mystery hero. I'm trying to make my country proud. Well, you're doing well. And you're making some Texans proud over here, too. Oh, well, I can tell you, it is so good to be back visiting. I've been here a couple of weeks and, um, yeah, haven't stopped smiling, really, or eating. Well, <laughs> you had some good cooking, right? Everybody's like, hey, have you had this? Have you had this? Like, you have four meals a day. Someone has to carry that cross, and I'm doing it. You're willing to do weeks. that? Yeah, yeah, I'm willing. Well, I tell you what, I, I'm excited to talk about tonight. We're going to be sh- talking about the Great Commission. Um, and I'm glad it was actually you that was on set tonight because we had some technical difficulties, <laughs> and uh, you knew exactly you know, what that was like. I live in technical difficulties. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to kind of roll with the punches sometimes. Oh, yeah. Well, here's the deal. I'm calling him the mystery man, and we're not putting his full name out there anymore right now because he is really going out into the world and spreading the gospel, and he's doing it in difficult places. Uh, and that actually is what I kind of want to start with. Um, you are presently in the 1040 window out there, um, but I am not sure that a lot of our viewers will know what the 1040 window is, and we can't disclose exactly where you're at, but can you tell us about the 1040 window? So, I mean, the 1040 window is a pretty huge area, but it's it's uh, 1040, it stands for like the coordinates. If you were to look on a map, I think it's between 10 and 40 north latitude or something like that. It's basically a big box in the world that covers Asia, Africa, the Middle East, and it kind of represents uh, probably a disproportionate amount of people groups that haven't really been reached with the gospel, haven't that don't really have like a Christian presence in the nation and... Um, and yeah, also like from a humanitarian point of view, there's a, a lot more poverty found in that particular window on the earth than found anywhere else. So, well, we, and it's a dangerous area in many of those places. Yeah, yeah, it's um, especially if they find out you love Jesus. Oh man, I love Jesus. I love <laughs> Jesus. I do too. I just thought love could be so dangerous. Well, you know, hey, he never said it was going to be easy or be safe. In fact, that's really kind of what we're talking about tonight. Um, you know, and that kind of comes down to our faith. Uh, and then what we do with our faith and being mm-hmm. active in our faith. So I think really before we get too deep and kind of talk about some stuff, I, <laughs> I want to talk about, you know, obviously, you know, Christianity and mission work and some things like that. But um, have you had some good hamburgers since you've been back? Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Blue I, Sky? Yeah, went to Blue Sky the other day. I would say that is possibly my favorite in Amarillo. I have a potential. So, I'm, I mean, I, tonight, if we get done in time, I get a Blue Sky. Oh, my goodness. So, But if we don't, that's okay. I like hanging out with you. Let's cut out a couple of scriptures, eh? <laughs> so, <I'm joking. laughs> well, I want to talk about the Great Commission. So tell us, um, we're going to 
you know, pop up the scripture here in a minute, but tell us what the Great Commission is. So the Great Commission is, um, you know, we find in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus' parting words to the disciples and to everyone who is kind of there witnessing him ascending to heaven. And I'm kind of always of the opinion that if you're going to pay attention to something that somebody says, listen to the last thing they say, especially if they know it's the last thing they're going to say. You know, a lot of people in life, they don't know what their last words will be. Jesus is ascending to heaven. So he's picked his words carefully. Yeah. And he is given, yeah, what we lovingly call the Great Commission, which was this invitation to the disciples to take part in basically in partnering with God's heart to see the world come to know Jesus, to see the world discover what they themselves had discovered. And um, I think I've just been on my own journey recently of kind of breaking down words that I just take for granted in the Bible. And, and the word commission, you know, it's not a word I tend to use on everyday language. I don't commission many projects or, I mean, if I tried to commission my wife to go make me a cup of coffee. <laughs> I think, How does that work for you? Yeah, I think it would uh, <laughs> be questionable results. Or, but, you know, the more I thought about the word uh, commission, you know, as someone who has kind of ventured into what we describe ourselves as missionaries, you know, you kind of put two and two together and you're like, commission, I'm a missionary. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. We got commissioned to go into mission. And you're like, it starts with C-O, it's co-mission. This is a co-mission. Jesus was inviting us to take part in a mission that he's already on. And I think as I've just started thinking about that, it's just really helped me realize that whether you're taking steps to move to the 1040 window or whether you're taking steps to change your relationship with your neighbor or your work colleague or whichever area of life you feel God's given you permission to, you know, go and spread the gospel, build the kingdom in. When we take those steps, we're going into a joint business project with God. We absolutely are. Well, let's talk about that scripture. You know, Matthew 28, 16 through 20. I'm going to go ahead and read it. It says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, and this is the important part right here, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. And we're going to talk about that word here in a minute. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, which I would argue is, in fact, uh, the next podcast I'm going to be doing is 20 Signs of the End Times. And, uh, and, and I, I would argue that we're at the end of the age. In fact, think of this. Paul was constantly writing, you know, about and Jesus in Matthew 24. We're going to talk a little bit about that too. But they were constantly talking about, you know, that day, that last day, that last days. And, you know, it's kind of like I heard it said not too long ago. It's like Jesus said, I'll be right back. And it's been 2,000 years, you know. <laughs> but I feel like we're there. So when this says to go out to all the nations, um, so the New Testament is written in Greek. And sometimes it's really important, in my opinion, to break down those words and figure out really what those mean. So the word, when you're looking at um, the word nations here, it's actually in Greek, ethnos. It's where we get the word ethnicity from. And here's what thing. So a lot of times I like to look it up and, and see what it means and break it down, but also see how many times it's used. And I was amazed. Like this one, this word was used a lot. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's used 164 times in 152 verses. It was used the most, though, in Acts. And the second place it was used most is going to be, uh, well, it was actually in Romans, and there's a lot going on there, but it's Revelation. Um, 
But I think this is kind of to my point. So we're talking about the Great Commission. Jesus is commissioned. He says, hey, you're on a commission. I like the way you say that. Commission with Jesus. And here is the very first thing. They're building the early church. And so that word nations, ethnos, they're going out and speaking to all these ethnicities, all these other nations, and they're spreading the gospel. This is the beginning of the Great Commission. And what's What's interesting, I, Paxton, you know, I've heard him say this before, that when he was early in his faith, that somebody told him, well, just go read the book of Acts. <laughs> and so he went and he read it, and, and, and so they asked him not too long after, like, what would you think? And he's like, well, honestly, I was, I was disappointed. And he's like, well, what do you mean you're disappointed? And he said, well, I, it just ended. And I, <laughs> I was like, I, was, I wanted more. And, and that was done intentionally because the, it, didn't, it doesn't end. It goes on to right now. Mm-hmm. And so I know there's a lot of people out there that claim to be Christian, and I would would suspect that pretty much everybody listening to this podcast probably has a relationship with Jesus, but I would say very few of us um, act out on the Great Commission. Not all of us are called to go to the 1040 window and to go out there in these, I would even say some of these scary places, but it's a lot more simple than that. Mm -hmm. What would you tell the person who, because they may feel like they have a lot to live up to, or they may not know the world. I don't know. What, what would you tell the person, the average person listening, who loves Jesus, wants to spread the gospel, but not sure how to go about it? I think really, like it, for me, it comes down to the simplest truth of it is, is that we, we're called to go and do to others what Christ has done for us, where Jesus made us his disciple and he took us under his wing and he gave us all the benefits that he won for us. We just know how much we've benefited in our lives from it. And like in the way that you don't take a lamp and put it under a cover, but you set it on top of a hill, we, we should want it in our hearts. And if we don't feel it, we, it's okay to pray for it. And it's okay to ask for the desire for us to go out and make more disciples for Jesus, make even our own disciples. And, you know, the word disciples again it's a funny one because we don't really use that term much outside of kind of christianese christian culture but disciple making is you know a a word that we use in the world more today really is like mentoring and you know that's a word that's got a lot of good connotations to it it's about looking after people like barnabas he was he was the ultimate mentor in my opinion Mm -hmm. raising people up in your ways and teaching them what you've been taught and you know the simplest form of mentoring discipleship and this kind of thing that we see here is raising your own family. Like when you have children, you are discipling your kids, these, yeah. you know, these kind of like carbon copies of who you are and you're discipling them. You definitely need some discipline in there, right? Like you're discipling them to grow up in a certain way and they're growing into your image. But what we find the good news of Jesus is that we don't have to grow into whatever biological earthly image we were born into. We've been given the image to grow into. We're, it's perfectly reasonable for us to say like, I want to be like Christ. I want to receive the things he receives. I want to bless the way he blesses. I want to see the world the way that he sees it. And so, um, I don't know if this is jumping ahead here or anything, but the, the way that I kind of picture this is that like right at the very beginning of scripture, God lays it out to Adam and Eve to go into the earth and make disciples. He says, go and multiply, go and take dominion over the earth. And it's like, we see this commission take place from the very beginning. Yeah. And so when Jesus comes and he almost recommissions us with the spirit, 
we're just tapping into an ancient, ancient, ancient thing that God's always wanted to see his children do, which was succeed and grow and develop. And, and have a relationship with him. That's why he created us. And, you know, on that point, though, in, is, is that, I mean, they didn't have a single kid in the garden, you know? I mean, it didn't take long. And you talk about the kids, and, and, and the thing is, is that all of our children, the word may not be used, disciple, but mentorship, however you want to look at it, but regardless, our kids, our children, the people around us are picking up what we're putting out. Mm-hmm. And, and whether it's for God or if it's for the world, they're picking up what we're putting out. Yeah. You know, and it goes, but I like how you said this. It goes all the way back to the beginning. I mean, and God, that's what God wants. It's family, relationship with us. That's why he created us. And I, I, I have it up on the screen. Why don't you read it for us? So, so uh, this is Genesis 1, 27, 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, and created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You know, there's an interesting part. So on that, that says, go and uh, subdue the earth. That's actually a scripture that uh, the Brandy and I have used about sometimes life being hard. You know, um, and we, we have a property. We have, we have several acres, and there's always something to do. We have gardens and chickens and all that kind of stuff. But And, and then the, we've had all this rain and all the mowing and, and all stuff, but life— it says he said go and subdue it meaning that it's going to require some level of effort mm-hmm. in order to get our hands to, to, to beat it down whether you know it's it's you know getting a foothold in a mission field or whatever you're not gonna they're not just gonna open the doors to come on in I mean you've got to go and subdue it you've got to go and fight you know for that ground amen and I think that's what the great commission you know that's one important part of it Another thing that, that you mentioned that, that I like, before we go on, I want to ask this. So you grew up in, uh, in London, mm-hmm. okay, which if you haven't noticed, he has a really cool accent. I would, <laughs> you know, try to match him, but he'll make me look bad tonight, so I won't do that. We'll see. How, how's your Texas accent coming along? I'm working on a couple of y'alls here and there. Have you ever thrown out a y'all now? I mean, just on accident? Yeah. Oh, no, never accidental. Just when I'm trying to be a bit silly and funny. Hey, what y'all doing? It does work. I admit it. It's better than saying you guys and. Oh, it's you, a great. It's a great word. You guys have beat the Queen's English on that one. Oh, wait, hands wait. up. I'll admit it. Right. Yeah, and we can spell it better than you know. Oh, I love it. You guys over there, man. Y'all have some spelling problems. Apostrophes all over the place. Apostrophes and y'all you throw in U's when you don't need them. <laughs> I mean, anyway. Okay, so but London. Um, like if you look at the news today, um, it, it's, <laughs> it's a mess. Uh, now, not just London. I mean, there's look at the, I mean the U.S. I mean we have problems all over the place. But London seems to always kind of, because it's it's such an old place, uh, it's kind of always been center stage in regards to the world, but you see all kinds of just craziness going on over there, especially in regards to people being able to uh, profess their faith. Mm-hmm. I mean, I never thought I would say that, but I mean, now there are laws in place over in the UK that make it difficult. So uh, the reason I'm, I'm going some more with this, but make it difficult for the Great Commission, because now they say, even if you're just reading the Bible, and it speaks against homosexuality, then you can, in fact, there's a, uh, a guy over there in Scotland, I believe that he was actually at a quote unquote Christian school. And all he did is say that there's only two genders, the Bible and, and that scripture that you used a minute ago. Okay. And he wouldn't use the, you know, these mm. the kids pronouns and they, not only did he get fired, he got arrested. So what would you say with all that, 
obstacle that's in front of you um, to people who are maybe afraid to speak up? I think the story of uh, King David looking to make a sacrifice to kind of appease the wrath of God at the, uh, I think it's at the end of Chronicles. Um, you know, David's needing to make a sacrifice and he goes to buy this field and the guy wants to give him the field uh, for David, for King David to make the sacrifice. And King David says this amazing line. He says, how could I, like, how could I give something that has cost me nothing? That's right, yeah. And that's I exactly. think what David says in that moment and what he makes so clear to us is that when you give a gift, like it's the cost of the gift does matter. I know our significant others tell us that it's the thought that matters, but you know, the cost is important on all these things. It, it speaks volumes. Like it's a cliche, but when I proposed to my wife, I didn't, I didn't go out and get the twenty-five dollar buy one get one free engagement ring. Like <laughs> yeah. I wanted it to cost me. I wanted to hurt. I wanted to not. Like I wanted to feel the pain of what it meant to buy that because I wanted her to know the worth of what she's got. And I think a problem we have in the church these days is that the gospel and the good news has become pretty low value to a lot of people because we think it's just a free gift and we think it's just available for anyone to have. But the truth is, is that the gospel cost Jesus everything. Everything. And, and if, he did it for you. And if we want to truly understand the depth of how good this news is, we're going to have to pay the price with our own life, with our own dignity, with our own time with all of the currencies that god's given us control over in these you know 80 to 90 year little internships that we call human life it's like if we don't pay with a cost then we're not understanding the depth of it and our culture is just we live in a fast food culture and we're not we don't like a heavy cost because but well the, we've, we've grown selfish i believe and not only that we are finally living in a time where your faith uh will cost you something yeah, But here's the thing I want to say, two things. Um, one is that the word tells us we are saved by grace, but we are judged by our works. Okay, And it's important to understand that, that there is reward in heaven. Um, if, if I had, there's a podcast I did uh, a few weeks ago on heaven. You ought to go back, and I'll talk about that some. Um, but the other that, you know, in regards to, yes, it, it, we have to step out there, but also G, the, Jesus said that if you won't stand for me before men, I won't stand before you before the father. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so I would be, I would ask you, not you specifically, Josh, but I mean like just the audience that are you willing to do that? Are you willing for people to accuse you and accost you and persecute you? That makes you a martyr, by the way, which is treasure in heaven. It's not a bad thing. It may not feel good now, but it's going to be amazing later. Yeah. And you read the Beatitudes and it's like, Jesus lays it out so clearly where the real joy comes from, where the real depth of life comes from. And it, it's not pretty. Like I used to read the, the Beatitudes and think, oh man, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want to be persecuted. I don't want to be meek. I don't want to be, I don't want to have to hunger and thirst for that. Like I just want the good stuff. <laughs> but Jesus said that's where the good stuff is. That is exactly. Well, and I think that actually lends itself to the next scripture. And that is that we are not doing it alone. In fact, we're, this is, this is a scripture that you brought, and I love this, and it's in John 15. It says, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Did uh, You did not choose me, but I chose you. Think about that. The sovereign creator of the universe, he chose us and appointed you, us, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. 
And I think that that is so powerful because when we step out and we step out in faith and you just say, okay, I'm going to do this for Jesus, not just because of what he did for me, but because if I have a relationship with Jesus, I don't want anybody to go to hell. That's why I believe yeah. Jesus is tarried mm. is that is to fulfill the great commission. Yeah. You know, is to step out there and to tell everybody we possibly can listen, wake up, you know, and I, we don't have to put on the signs and say the time is near and all that stuff. But I mean, from our hearts and the way we tell people about Jesus, I mean, it, that, that clock is ticking. Yeah. And I think like what we see in all of this is that we so, we so want the benefits of God and we so want the, you know, all the luxuries of it all. But Jesus has invited us into this commission because it's real to his heart. And you see it all the way through scripture, like Genesis into Matthew, into this John 15 passage. God is desperate to work with us and to have us join in the family business of the kingdom of God. And I know you're you're a man who's familiar with the concept of a family business. I know yeah. <laughs> you in in multiple ways you're involved in that kind of stuff. And and for me, I grew up with my dad running a business. He he was the pastor of our church, but he only got paid two days a week and he he ran an A V company. And there was nothing there's probably nothing I love to do more as a kid than to get the call from my dad to say, like Josh, like can I borrow you after school today? Can you come help me? Yeah. And, you know, there might be some child protection laws against this with the story <laughs> I'm about to tell, but, you know, he would be running cables in church buildings to set up the PA system and things like this. It's quite difficult to get the cables under the stage. And I was conveniently small <laughs> as like an elementary school kid. Yeah. So, you know, I'm under the stage, crawling under the floorboards, carrying these cables. And do you know how proud I felt to, to work for my dad to you know, fulfill his needs and to do something like to bring value to his purposes and, and his goals in that environment where we're working. It meant everything to me. And then to have the encouragement of your dad to say, good job, son. I'm proud of you. Yeah. And you know what really like gets me with it all? And this is what I see in John 15 here is that my job in my dad's business, like it wasn't just given to me because I was a son. Like he didn't, like he gave me an actual job. He needed me to do something. It wasn't a makeshift trophy position of like, oh, we'll just give him a nice business card. He's not really going to do anything. There was a job to be done. But what was amazing is that if I failed that job, I wasn't getting fired. Why? Because my dad's the boss. It's a family business. Yeah. And my position in the family business is secure because of who I am and who he is. And that's really just what I see so much and what my heart bleeds for in the church is that I really believe the father is inviting us into the family business. He wants to sign this over to us. He wants to give it to us. He wants to entrust the things of his heart to us. And I, I, you know, it's sad to say, I don't want to criticize the church across the world here, but the prodigal son stuff isn't just people leaving the faith. No. It's people wanting the inheritance of the father without the work and without um, waiting for the appointed time of it. Whereas all God wants is to just be with us in this task. And the task at hand right now is Genesis one. It's go out, take dominion of the earth, multiply, like have dominion over it, make disciples of every nation, every ethnicity. And the reason that that's the job is because that was, that's what's on his heart. Like God is the origin well, and here's he, the Genesis. And here's the here's the thing that is important to say, and this ties into evangelism, but is that every one of us, not one of us, can just go in and reach everybody. We all receive from different people. Amen. And that's why God calls us as the body of Christ mm -hmm. to come together and to go out and to 
tell, to, to tell the world about the gospel, tell the world about Jesus. You know, I saw this, um, this podcast, I guess it's today, and it's about a, a woman who grew up, um, she, her family's from Iran, mm-hmm. so, you know, uh, very you know, Iranian Muslim, you know, background. And, but she did what their, their family wasn't very religious, but they were very wealthy. They moved to uh, Beverly Hills um, and she mm-hmm. grew up in all that. And she was looking for faith. So the first, you know, she had a friend who, or a brother, somebody that took her to a mosque and it was with a, you know, death to America kind of. And she's like, well, I don't like that one. Well, then there's another one's more of a spiritual sect and she, there was more about love and peace. And I was like, <laughs> and she chose it, right? <laughs> well, she, she's a prominent woman. Actually, she ended up uh, as a counselor in, an administration of a president um, that I'm not going to give anybody names here, but, uh, and, and, but here's the thing is that she was living a lie and Jesus, it, even then she kept looking at all the things and the tenets of, uh, of Islam. And it just, it was an empty hole still inside of her. Mm. And so she prayed out and Jesus revealed himself to her and she became a Christian. And, and, and you have to think, to convert a, uh, somebody from Islam to Christianity, they have to have an encounter with Christ, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, it's an encounter with Christ will change everything, change anyone, yeah. and anything. And that's what I mean. That's what we depend on, that, and that's the great thing is that we step out into evangelism and this disciple making, and we we often think it's about how clever we are, or how good we are with our words, or how brave we are. But ultimately, it's like we're just carrying like it's it's jesus who it's jesus who makes the disciples here it's jesus who encounters people we're just signposts you know and that's what god wants to do though through us Mm. is for us to have those encounters and so he uses us as vessels and then where we fall short which we will Mm. he is already there we don't have to do anything we just have to the most important thing is that we just take that step yeah and then we're willing to so all right so let's talk about what are some different things. I know that we talk about the Great Commission. So let's say that you're living in London, all right, and, uh, you know, you're just a regular chap. Is that a good English word? Hey, yeah. A regular chap? One of the lads. One of the lads. Ah. Indubitably. <laughs> all right. Is that even a word? I don't know what you just said. <laughs> yeah, there we go. See, you, you don't watch enough fake English, American yeah, English yeah, shows. Yeah. Indubitably. I need to do my homework. Yeah, you're going to have to work up on your English. Okay, but anyway. <laughs> Uh, your English, English. So, but London, okay. So I'm sitting over in London and I, I want to, cause I know that you can probably think of some places. Well, what do you do in London? If you're trying to fulfill the great commission, how do you do mission work in London? I mean, I, th- I think so much of it just comes down to being a good friend, like identifying needs and, and, and fill in the gaps. I know for me, like when I lived in London, I came to a point in life where I noticed there were some younger guys in my church who were at the kind of age where they could go one way or the other in terms of their faith they could either get really stuck in and meet other young people who love jesus or they could they could start tasting the stuff of the world and get involved in that and i just thought i'm just going to be a big brother to them like there was a need for a big brother in some of these young guys lives so i just i saw the gap and i just stood in it and i just took that place and i feel so blessed because i've yeah so many of those guys are in great places and I've got to stand by a couple of them as they got married these last couple of months as well. But wherever you are in the world, I think the most dangerous thing that we have as Christians is our eyes. Like, yeah, man, like what you give your eyes to in a bad way and in a good way is going to always affect you. 
And I think if you're if you're a praying person and you ask God to show you, He's going to show you the world. Like Jesus said it, like the eyes are the, the lamp into the soul. Yeah, we actually did a podcast on that. Yeah, we did, didn't we? We did long time ago. Actually, it's funny, separate subject. But I'm looking to start a whole project, almost based off of that scripture at the moment, like a, a photography and faith prayer based. I could see something that yeah. thing. Because I, I feel like um, I feel like the church has forgotten how to use their eyes. We've just we've got pretty good at covering them up to the bad stuff, but we're we're afraid to look at the ugly stuff that God's asking us to look at, aka poverty, aka like people child, need well this child smuggling stuff. Yeah, like well, we, there's we got to be in those spaces. We like, do, and, and in fact, I want to go ahead and say this: there's a movie coming out. In fact, I bought tickets. Um, and it's selling out, so Indiana Jones is about to come out, okay, <laughs> which I, I don't care so much. I mean, they've already made it, but here's what's crazy, okay, so that's supposed to be a big blockbuster and all this stuff. This movie is selling out tickets three and sometimes four to one of Indiana Jones, and it has called The Sound of Freedom. Jim Caviezel, uh, the guy who played Jesus oh, in The yeah. Passion, okay, he is the, the lead actor in it, and it's based 100% on a true story. Um, is uh, There's a man who um, was, uh, I think he was a, former military, DHS, undercover operative, and stuff like that. And he began to see the nasty, ugly underbelly of all this child trafficking. And he began to do something about it. And I believe that he has a, a – I might be – I don't want to get two people mixed up. But anyway, <laughs> th- this this particular show is important because it's a true story. And as Christians, we know that it's out there. The southern border, what's going on in the United States is – Absolutely atrocious. Eight out of ten young people, girls, and even boys coming across are either raped or, or kidnapped and sold into slavery. They have an average lifespan of two years from that point. I mean, it's just it's absolutely evil, and it's absolutely demonic. But as Christians, we have it's an ugly space, and we, we know it's out there. But that right there is something else that we have got to fight for, fight for these kids, fight for these mm-hmm. lives. Something that's not as heavy, um, if you're living in this area— in the Amarillo um, area, there's a lot of refugees here. Um, so, as I've mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, and you've seen, we have a bunch of chickens. Well, there's times where the chickens, they no longer lay, and so they got to go. And uh, there's a big Muslim community on the northeast side of town called East Ridge. There, there's quite a few different places, but what we, but they like to, they will not take chicken that you, is already killed. They want to kill it themselves. It's part of their religion. So what we would do is go out uh, to Lowe's or Home Depot and just get some, a small moving box. We put one live chicken per box. <laughs> and then we have a friend who's a missionary. Okay. Actually, they were, they were missionaries in, in Thailand for 17 years. And so he's taken over. And he's, he's really become well-known in that community. And just, he's so good at loving all those people. And so we'll meet up with him and we'll go and take it. And it's crazy to see. So we'll take our kids. And I remember Cora, when she's little. She's this little bitty, you know, Swedish-looking girl, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes. And here's this other beautiful little girl. They're about about four, five, six years old at the time, and and they just looked at each other, and just like and you could, it's just they were just taking each other in. It was a beautiful moment. Um, and and then they they played them, but we were giving these chickens away, um, and just sowing seed. That's mission work. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, there's just such a blessing when you go to reach and work with people who aren't like yourself. Like Psalm one thirty three always says it like, where there's unity, like the Lord commands a blessing. And I just think there's something so powerful and so un, like it's so not of the flesh to go and reach out to those who you don't relate to in any way. And I, I think for individuals, like people are going to feel the call of God on their hearts for certain people groups or certain spheres of society. And well, there's like no that. question. I agree with that. Yeah. But it's just, uh, I love hearing that story like that because it's like, it's, 
it's not in our nature to we're like we're you know when you meet someone and you just get on with them you realize you've got a lot in common with them and you walk away from that going man that was so good meeting them like i just you and i did that two peas in a pod right yeah we did we I did feel, that. i feel exactly the same way it's so good and i love that but i come away from those things sometimes going man i like hanging out with people like me well, and it's easy to do. I think that's that's human nature, though, right? Yeah. We in that what makes us uncomfortable is to be around people we don't get. And you know, I know that everybody just from the church just came back from Honduras, and everybody just over the moon just comes back on fire, you know. And I, it's it's we need to hold on to that fire. Mm-hmm. We have to stoke those embers every day because the world that we live in is going to try to put those flames out, and we have got to. Every day, dig into the word. Remember what those moments were like. Remember the joy that you brought to somebody's life. And, and then I tell you, especially when you finally get to lead somebody to Christ. There's nothing. I tell you what, man. I, I cry every time. I, when I when you're at church and you see people <laughs> raising their hands, coming up, uh, receiving Christ. I mean, dude, I'm I'm always a mess. I love that. That's why we exist. Yeah. And if we stick to our own, you know, we just don't grow in the way that the kingdom is supposed to. Like. The kingdom has dominion like in a way that the earth like that the world can't replicate and that commission we're given is to those nations and it's like oh it's just god just breathes on it so well when we reach into that kind of thing and as you say like you can just bring a man to tears when you see kingdom things come out i'm i'm, I'm like a crying mess these days i i cry so oh easily. man brandy ruined me i used to be tough <laughs> in fact if you have if you noticed uh I lost about four or five inches off the old beard, you know, and so I knocked it back. You know, it's funny. Some people said something, and I was surprised at how many people didn't. Some people look at me like almost as bad as when I shaved off my beard. But, you know, I, I want to say this. So there's some of you all thinking, well, I'm just ready for Jesus to come back. Mm-hmm. Well, we all are. And I want to read this scripture right here. Okay, Matthew 24, 14. It says, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. And we're going to talk about that word, world, as a witness to all the nations. And that same, it's the same word. Okay, ethnos right there. And mm-hmm. then the end will come. So if you want Jesus to come back, get out there and start telling people about Jesus. Yeah. Um, you know, what's interesting about that word. So a lot of times, in fact, there's even a ministries based around that 2414 um, passage in this that it's misunderstood. The world, the, the word world there is oyu, oy ku mine. I always get that. It sounds weird. I'm not a Greek, you know, okay. Oy ku mine. Um, but that is interesting. So everybody would make statements in the past thinking, well, we have to get directly in front of every person on every island and every place. And honestly, but that's actually not what that means. That word, oikumene, I did better that time, is only used in the scripture when it's referring to like the Roman Empire or a civilization that is sophisticated. This is a neat little tidbit of, of scripture because Jesus is saying is when the end comes, there will be sophisticated society all over the world and there's going to be technology. Mm-hmm. Well, think of this. What do we have? What are you watching right now? You're watching a podcast with two good looking guys, you know, what can we say? And, and I'm sorry, don't, I'm, don't or, or you're listening and we have beautiful voices or something. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Well, he does. He has that cool English accent, but anyway. But we can, you know, there's over six, you know, billion smartphones in the world. And so the message, the gospel can be pushed out in so many ways now. Amen. I mean, if you think about it, like we look at books and we we see them as these like holy things because they've just always been there way before we were there. And we just see it as as part of the way God communicates. There was a day when 
The books didn't exist. When newspapers didn't exist, when there was no printed press. Back in the day, the printed press was the technological revolution that we are now facing ourselves in the digital age and in this age of insane levels of technology. And you're right, we have to embrace it because this is how the world communicates. And I always say this, despite not living it out myself, I would say a good missionary is going to learn the language of the people they're trying to reach. Yeah. And the truth is, is that the generations that are coming before us, we were talking about it earlier. Most people don't know how to write very well with a pen anymore. Yeah, we were. We talked. In fact, I showed you a letter uh, from like a great, great, great grandfather writing a letter from the Civil War. He, and the first thing you said was, you know, look at the penmanship. That's or, some nice writing. Yeah. It's nice writing. And you talk about like what the language people are speaking today. If you, if you want to see someone out there who's doing a fantastic job making disciples, Look at all these YouTubers. Yeah. Look at these influencers. It's their job to mold an audience to becoming more like them, to buy the products that they're endorsing and to do the things that they're doing. The world is out there making their disciples. The enemy's like loving it. He's having a great time forming people into this thing. And it's like, we have to be on these Roman roads. We have to be in the digital channels. Like we've, we've got to be making the podcasts. We've got to be sending the instant messages we've got to be live streaming we've got to be doing all this stuff like it's not like god is for those listening you won't see this but he's not holding up a cross with his finger saying unclean unholy don't use technology this is the age we've been born into and i i like to believe that god has trusted me to be alive in this generation for That's a reason right. well he, he he chose us to live right now when we are for a reason if you're alive right now god has got some real faith in you because you're living in a tougher generation than what our ancestors went through and the levels of deception out there in the world the levels of wickedness that's on display god must really believe in you to and believe in us to make us alive today so let's believe that god's given us the goods to do what it takes to see the kingdom come on the earth and you know jesus is coming back and we have to look forward to that but i want to prepare this place for him the john the baptist a man that Jesus said was the greatest man ever born of a woman. All John's job was, was to prepare the way for Jesus. Make straight the paths for the way of the Lord. Level the mountains, raise the valleys. And what did John do once he had made, cleared the path for Jesus he to come in? He stepped aside and let Jesus come in. Stepped aside, lost his head, exited the story in scene three. Because he knew that it wasn't the best man's job to be the, the bridegroom at the wedding. It was The best man's job was to prepare the way. And that's the invitation me and you have and all of us listening have today is there's a wedding that's going to happen and we are the best men, the best women. We're, we're there to prepare the way for Jesus to come. Are we going to take this job? Man, if we don't, we're going to miss out so, so badly. Well, it's treasure in heaven is what it is. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, man, I, I've loved having you back. I don't want to wait like we have, you know, <laughs> golly, it's been, I don't know. See, how long How long ago was it that y'all yeah, left? It's, it's been a year since we left Texas, Golly. So, yeah, a little over a year since we'd have pod podcasted together. So we need to keep this going. Um, and I just want to tell you guys that uh, first of all, thank you all for listening. Um, the last podcast that uh, I put out was the uh, Babylon, the apostasy in the last days. It was by far the most popular podcast um, that we've done so far. We're going to be doing more of that. Uh, we're doing more and more research uh, into the things of archaeology and tying the Bible, those things together in history. Um, like I mentioned, the next one, we're actually going to do 20 signs of the, uh, the end times. And I, if you like this uh, material, I would just please uh, share with your friends. We're trying to send this grassroots. We don't fit the algorithm in YouTube and things of that nature. Um, like, 
subscribe, put a comment out there. Let us know how we're doing, if we, how we can do better, and if there's topics y'all want to hear about. But until the next time, Senior Josh. Peace out. Put an English flag in the comments. All right. Peace out, man. We'll see y'all in the next one. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast from the Church of Bushland. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram by using the Church of Bushland. We are all about people because God is all about people. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference.